Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this cold, Lord, for the hail, for the rain. Thank you for this place of sanctuary. We pray, Lord God, for those who who do not have a place of sanctuary this morning and who were not protected from the hail last night, Lord God. We pray that you would provide for them and watch over them and protect them, Lord. We turn to you now and we ask, Lord God, that you would reveal yourself to us. Lord, so for so much of the time in our lives, we just seem to wander through the world and bumble through life, Lord God, like we are wandering in the dark. And we pray that you would give us your light today and that you would speak and reveal yourself to us, that we might know you, that we might love you, and that we might worship you as our Savior. Lord God, give me your words to speak to your people and fill us all with your word that we might be messengers and ambassadors in this world, proclaiming your goodness and your salvation so that others might be able to share in our joy. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is so spectacular to see you all on this day. Well, as you, as many of you know, we have a cat. And what is her name? Lola the cat, that's right, it's kind of her day over in the in Bacall, they're selling her books and her calendars. She already had a big head, as soon as she knew they were doing a book about her, she totally became just a diva. Um, but our cat Lola, she, despite her celebrity status, she spends her day looking for signs, right? Looking for signs of what will take place in the future. Now there's several signs in particular that Lola spends most of her day looking for. All right, one is that as the weather starts to chill, as soon as the sign of the kicking on of the fan for the heater, uh, as soon as she can hear that down in the basement, Lola rushes for her favorite heater register, where she lays against it and bakes her head as that heat comes right up. She knows which one is the hottest, and she heads for that one. And that's where she'll be every time the heater is cycles on. But there's a deeper cycle and a deeper sign that she looks for, and that in particular in morning and in the evening. And that sign is when any human walks towards the kitchen. (laughs) She is sure that something is coming, and what is coming? Food. Food. This leads to many mishaps, right? Because do you think we're always going in the kitchen to feed her? No, our life does not completely... I mean, she thinks so, but our life does not completely rotate or um, revolve. That is my word. Thank you. Revolve around our cat. But she knows that when someone goes in the kitchen, it might mean food. And so she's prepared. She's prepared. And so she tries to rush in front of you, often ending up underfoot as you are trying to get to the kitchen. Um, But sometimes it pays off. And she finds her fulfillment in her food. Our gospel passage for today deals a lot with signs, right? And it comes in the midst of a larger discussion in which Jesus had been talking about signs before of um, the destruction of Jerusalem. He had been teaching his disciples about that, that destruction which was fulfilled in 70 A.D. And In this larger narrative, Jesus challenges his disciples to be on their guard, to be prepared, to pay attention to what's going on, 
to watch. And what are they watching for? Signs. Watching for signs. Jesus said, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. So there will be things happening in the heavens. The sun, the moon, and the stars will be doing strange things. This is why whenever, um, like in this coming January, we're going to have in one month a supermoon and a blood moon. What's a supermoon? Yeah. And what's a blood moon? Yeah, eclipse, yeah. So it's got this red eclipse and it's like, it looks red. So you can sense the name, blood moon, right? And so whenever this happens, kind of like in the last years when we've had eclipses and things like that, people come out with doomsday prophecies, don't they? Right? It's the third blood moon in a certain period of time. This has got to be the end, right? Or this is the certain eclipse. This has got to be it. Right? According to this passage, they have some merit to that, don't they? Right? Yeah. But you don't really know if it's the right one until after it happens, right? So they could be right this next time. It could be right or not. You don't know until after it happens. And also, the ocean seems to be an indicator of a warning as well. Right, Because the passage says, And on the earth distress among the nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. So is this talking about tsunamis or rising sea levels or hurricanes? We don't know. Right, You're not sure. Whatever it is, though, these signs seem to be not just part of the normal cycle of strange events that happen in this world. Right, These seem particularly significant. Because this passage tells us, that people will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's a significant thing. I mean, when was the last time you fainted from fear or foreboding? Right? So this is a significant event that's taking place that is causing people, causing people to faint out of fear of what is taking place. This is not just your run-off-the-mill, you know, annual hurricane season kind of thing. Something is significant is going on here. And then the next thing that's supposed to happen is that they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Jesus Christ coming back in his second coming. Now, interestingly, uh, Jesus tells his disciples that their response should be what their response should be. He says, now, when these when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption redemption is drawing near. Now, what kind of position is standing up and raising your heads? Is that a fearful position? Oh. What's that? It's risky. Yeah, it's one of it's one of trust, isn't it? Like when you're looking for someone coming, you stand up and put your head up, right? When you're anticipating something good, when my cat sees a person start to move towards the kitchen, what does her head do? She goes up, right? Looks, looks to see where you're heading looks to see. In the same way, we're supposed to be in, the, or the disciples were called to be in this position when these things started to take place. They weren't assuming a crash position, like on the airplane. They were not having an earthquake drill, right? They were not practicing for nuclear fallout or all those kinds of things we get to practice in school, right? Instead, they were supposed to have this position of standing up, 
lifting up your head, being prepared because good things were coming. Your redemption is drawing near. Now, I think that's really important and something we should hold on to. Because in the midst of all these kind of um, unpleasant signs, right, signs in the sun, moon, and stars, the rush, the roaring of seas and waves, other things that are talked, spoken about at the end, there's this hopeful word that the disciples were to stand up and lift their head up because their redemption was near. Now, then Jesus moves into a discussion about um, trees and plants and says, as soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. And he links this to his return. When you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. So these signs will be like the buds coming out on the branches of a tree. You'll know by these signs that summer is coming. And is summer a good thing? Summer's a good thing, right? Summer's a good thing. He could have used a different image if he wanted to talk about something a little foreboding. He could have used when you see the leaves begin to fall from the trees or change colors, you know that winter is coming. Right? And winter has a lot of negative connotations despite the fact that we all love it. Right? But summer, that speaks about hope and opportunity and bounty. Then Jesus tells his disciples this enigmatic thing. He says, truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Now, what did he have in mind here? Because this is a little confusing. Because certainly we know a couple things, right? One is that Jesus has not come back. And two, what happened to all the disciples? They died, right? So it's probably not saying that all this is going to happen before they die. Although it could be referring to the earlier part about the destruction of Jerusalem. That took place during the lifetimes of many of the disciples. But it seems that um, some theologians uh, seem to be thinking that generation has some different meanings. Right? This generation might refer to uh, like this era of people, like the disciples of Christ, of which we are a part of as well. You know, while that first cohort died out, we're a part of the disciples as well as disciples of Christ. So potentially he's talking about that, that there will be Christians, there will be believers, there will be faithful people to Christ until everything is fulfilled. Or some people argue that really it's linking generation to these signs. So that the signs and the second coming to Jesus, of Jesus will take place within a generation when they do take place. Right, it'll be those two things will be closely linked. If you have any questions about the interpretation of this, we have Dick and his daughter Johanna here, and they are both ordained ministers, and they would be more than happy to clear up any concerns that you have or questions. Regardless of this, right? Regardless of how we can get bogged down in the details, the nitty-gritty of this, Jesus encourages us and challenges us to be ready, to be prepared. And he says, be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The challenge is in this world, 
that there's so many things that we can get bogged down in. There seems to be like, in some sense, this world is kind of like the island that the Swiss family Robinson is on, right? And we are moving through and dealing with um, quicksand and tiger traps and that stack of logs on the hill, right? It is full of dangers and challenges. And there are so many ways we can get bogged down and stuck. Do you feel that in your lives? Yeah. It's so easy to get distracted from what we're called to do. It's so easy to get concerned about image or wealth or health or success or whatever it happens to be. And to miss out. To miss out on what Jesus Christ calls us to. To being prepared. To being alert. To not having our hearts weighed down, but having our hearts freed. Jesus challenges us to be attentive because this world is dangerous. So how do we stay attentive to the coming of Christ? Well, I think one way is that we live like he's here already. We live like he's already made his appearance. And so we speak to him and we do this through prayer. We talk to him and communicate with him because he is here with us. And we study his words in the Bible to hear what he's saying to us. He tells us in this very passage, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We have something of permanence that we can hold fast to, the word of God. And we go out into this world and we treat others with kindness and grace. And we proclaim the good news so that others can know the peace that we have as well, so that they're not like these folks who get surprised like a trap springing upon them when he comes back, but so that they can be prepared and receive him as their savior. And we stay strong and faithful, seeking to love Jesus Christ more and more every day. Jesus has called us to this life. He's called us to this life of being prepared, being ready, being alert to the signs. But the beautiful thing is, is this doesn't all rest upon our fulfillment of these things. Right? Jesus Christ has been faithful on our behalf. And it's because of his faithfulness. It's because of his listening to the Father and following the signs and doing what was called of him that you and I, You and I have been given the grace and the mercy to not have fear about the future. Jesus Christ has us in his hand and he is guarding us and guiding us and preparing us for his return. So may we give thanks as we await his coming back and may he give us the mercy and the grace to be prepared so that on that day we might receive him with joy in our hearts. Like Lola the cat, we should be paying attention to the signs. We should be vigilant and hopeful, watching for the coming of our Savior. Because just like with her, it is good news that those signs will be fulfilled. It is good news. And so we should be preparing ourselves for his return. So that when he comes back, he finds us already prepared and excited about his return. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are a God who did not leave us here in the darkness, 
who did not leave us without hope, Lord God, while you, when you ascended to the right hand of the Father, but you gave us your Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to be with us and to lead us into all truth and righteousness. Lord God, we, we know that we're people who are easily led astray. Lord, help us. Help us to hold fast to you as you hold fast to us. Lord God, correct us when we get bogged down in this world. Help us to encourage one another on to good works and righteousness. Lord, but we have our hope, not in our own behavior or performance, but in what you have done on our behalf. So help us, Lord, to love and to serve and to proclaim your goodness in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.